So good to see you, Miss Lucille. Yeah. <laughs> so Miss, Miss Lucille had surgery uh, two weeks ago, right? About a, almost three weeks ago, and she's been out for a little while, so it's so good to have you back with us. I'll, I also want to mention, um, where is Reverend Jack and, and Dr. Cheryl? So Reverend Jack and Dr. Cheryl DeBay, this is your last Sunday with us before you transition back up north, right? And uh, we know that you hate to leave us, and it's always a sad time when you go, and you miss every one of us when you're up there in Washington State uh, looking at cloudy weather and rain, and, and I know that you miss, yeah, that you miss us. Um, but we also know that you have to go back and you've got work to do. So uh, Dr. Cheryl teaches in, in a couple of universities there, and uh, they are a blessing to this church. And Amen. They're, they're only here half a year, but I wish it was a full year. Amen. <laughs> but in case you didn't know, I am Dr. Cheryl's second favorite preacher. <laughs> so her, actually, I'm probably her third favorite preacher. Uh, you have Pastor Rushing, who is her near and dear friend for many years, but uh, her first favorite preacher is her son, who pastors a church uh, in Washington State, there where they live. So that's where they attend when they're home, and when they're in their other home, they attend here. So we love you guys, and we pray traveling mercies over you as you go. Amen. Uh, so guys, we are in uh, Purpose Part 4, and we've been in this series now for the month of February, and we started off in Part 1 with There's a Purpose in Your Pain. And then we came into the second week on Valentine's Day and talked about the purpose of marriage. And then last week we started with that everyone has a purpose. And this week we're going to transition into uh, discovering your purpose. Discovering your purpose is what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, so if you would turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 with me, I would greatly appreciate it. I'll give you a second to get there. It will be on the screen if you don't have another way to look it up. If you prefer a Bible but you forgot one, there's a, there's a few in the seats around you if you just kind of look around. And then, of course, uh, in today's day and age, we have the digital Bibles, the version and, and other apps which are available on your phone. Uh, and you have guest Wi-Fi. It says Redemption Point Guest. You can log right in and, and utilize your digital Bibles if you like as well. Pastor Eddie, you in the room? Men's breakfast. What's the date? Third week of March, Saturday morning, March 20th, men's breakfast here on campus. Uh, come out and be a part of that. It's open to any men in the church. So if we fill up the room and, and we've got to do something else, we'll do something else. So you just come come be a part of that. And uh, uh, Rodney Wood is going to be cooking a fantastic breakfast. And if you missed the camp out and the campfire we had, if, if you were part of the camping crew that camped here a few weeks ago, uh, Rodney uh, laid out an awesome breakfast spread for them. Uh, matter of fact, it was tempting for me to get back in my car and drive back over because I sure didn't camp out in the field overnight. <laughs> I went home with my wife, but, but uh, it made me want to jump in the car and drive back over in the morning. So, so be here for that. Men's breakfast and Pastor Eddie Torres will be bringing a, a, a short devotion that morning. And then it's just really a time of fellowship for you guys. So, so if you would make plans to be here Saturday morning, March 20th. If you're in 2 Timothy, say amen. Why don't you look at somebody close to you and say, I feel good. Amen. Now look back at him and say, I knew that I would now. And look back at him again and say, na, 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 na. 
feel good. I knew that I would now. I feel so good. So good. <laughs> Somebody had it. Somebody had it. I was looking for Miss Florange. <laughs> That's old school. That's right. Second Timothy chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 16, uh, talking about purpose, part 4, our discovery. And it goes like this. The Lord grant mercy to the household of, on I'm going to say this right, Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus. I know it sounds like a disease, but it's not. That is a name. Onesiphorus. So the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to dig into your word today. And Lord, to talk about your purpose because you are the creator of purpose, Lord. Father, I pray today that each and every one of us in this room would receive a word from you, would receive a, a nudge to our spirit and a nudge to our heart of direction. If there's anybody in this room that's not currently operating in the purpose that you've created them for, I pray today would be the day that they feel the nudge in their spirit to begin to tighten it up, to begin to seek you, and to begin to walk in the purpose that you created them for. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So Onesiphorus was a friend to Paul. He's a, you know, I could have dug out a ton of different Bible characters and talked about their purpose. Uh, there's, there's tons of Bible characters all through the Bible that we could have dug out and talked about their purpose and, and, and people that you knew right off the bat. And when I said their name, you knew exactly what they were famous for. You knew exactly what they did. We could have talked about King David slaying Goliath. And we could have talked about, uh, we even could have talked about Paul, although Paul is included in this scripture. It's not our main focus today, but we could have talked about Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We, we could have talked about Moses who, who uh, God chose to lead the, the Israel Israelites out of bondage and into the promised land. We could have talked about Joshua who took over that job and walked them across the, the, the mile-wide muddy stream and that God stood up for them as they walked into the promised land. We could have talked about Caleb. We could have talked about many men or women in the Bible who had lots of purpose. But today, how many of you know that we don't always relate with the Bible heroes? Sometimes we don't always relate with the ones that are doing great things in the Bible, but sometimes we need to know that somebody is walking in their purpose simply by being like Christ. That somebody is walking in their purpose simply by doing what Jesus has asked him to do, right? And today we talk about Onesiphorus, who, who is just mentioned twice in the book of Timothy and in, in very small uh, amounts of scripture and not a lot of description. This scripture that we just read is the most description that we find of him. But this is Paul, who, who did write two-thirds of the New Testament. This is Paul, who planted many churches. This is Paul, who encouraged and wrote all these letters to the churches. This is Paul, who who, who gave up his entire life to serve Christ. And he's saying in this moment that Onesiphorus, sorry, Onesiphorus is the, is the one who encouraged him. A name that we probably maybe have come across, haven't given much attention to, haven't thought about. There certainly isn't any books written about him or, or Bible studies probably taught on Onesiphorus. But most of us in this room can relate more to Onesiphorus than we can to Paul. None of us in this room wrote any parts of the scripture. 
But Onesiphorus came along and encouraged Paul. It, it, it says he refreshed Paul. How did he do that? By being his friend. How did he do that? By ministering to him in a way that God had created Onesiphorus to minister. He, by, by being there for him. It, it says he, was, he refreshed him and he wasn't afraid of his chains. Paul was in prison during this time of this writing uh, because the Christians were accused of burning down uh, parts of Rome. And in this portion of scripture and in this writing, Paul was in prison in chains. And he says, Onesiphorus wasn't scared to be associated with me even though I was associated with what people had believed the Christians had become, which were rebels in the city. And people were angry and upset with rebels for burning down portions of the city and creating an uprising. But Onesiphorus wasn't uh, ashamed to come alongside Paul in his chains and minister to him. And he didn't care what other people were saying about him. That's the kind of Christ-likeness that we need today as a church, that we operate in our giftings, in our callings, and in our ministry uh, when we're here on Sunday morning, when we're here on Wednesday night, but on the days that we aren't in a church building, the days that we step foot out of bed and we head into the office or we head to work or we head to our car to do whatever we have to do, on the days when you're, uh, when you're on vacation, on the days when anything other than when you're in this building, we're so still supposed to walk in obedience and operate in our giftings and our calling in our purpose because it's it's designed in how we live it's not just something we do but it's who we are right so your purpose is not just a job your purpose is your work right and we talked about that last week the difference between work and purpose so so Onesiphorus was a friend to Paul but even more than that he was a servant of God walking in his purpose not everyone is Paul like I said not everybody can be Paul right nobody is Paul really Right? I, I can't think of anybody that is Paul. Uh, but all of us are called to be like Onesiphorus. All of us are called to walk in those giftings and callings. Whether you preach on Sunday mornings or whether you teach a Sunday school class or whether you sit with the three to five year olds or whether you change diapers in the nursery or whether you open doors for people at the front door with a smile on your face or whether you keep the Keurigs stocked with water up front and, and keep the little carousels stocked with K-cups. No matter what you do, if you do it in the purpose that God created you for, it's making a difference in the kingdom. Amen. That God has called each and every one of us to walk in and serve his purpose. And it's not about what we do, but it's about how's our heart, right? How's our heart? Are we doing things that God has asked us to do? Are we utilizing the gifts that God has given us to, to, to forward uh, the kingdom, to do things for the kingdom? So your purpose, whether in front of people like Paul or behind the scenes like Onesiphorus, are equally important. There is no position in this church that rises above the other positions in serving in the kingdom to God, right? We all are serving in the kingdom. Matter of fact, Paul goes on to say in chapter 2, if you flip the page or uh, just move on to the next chapter, starting in verse 20, Paul says this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter... He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So there are two types of vessels that Paul brings up. Just a, just a chapter later as he's talking about Onesiphorus and then he flows into teaching. And he comes into this chapter and he talks about two types of vessels. Gold and silver vessels for honor and wood and clay vessels for dishonor. 
Now, in our flesh and in the flesh of the church, without doing a deeper study and diving in, uh, people would normally say, uh, well, that, that applies to the different giftings of the body. And some giftings are gold and silver, and some giftings are wood and clay. And some giftings are, are, are precious uh, to the work of the body, and some giftings are just menial tasks to the work of the body. And, and we would say that in our flesh if we didn't study and actually compare it to the rest of Scripture. But the truth is, uh, uh, all people with all giftings in the body or in the kingdom are for honorable use. The difference in these scriptures is the heart of the one being used. So Paul is actually talking about those who have the right heart to serve God and those who have the wrong heart to serve God. So he's talking about each and every person, no matter what the task is, if they have the right heart to serve God, they are made of gold and silver for honorable use. Amen. You can clean toilets and be made of gold and silver for honorable use. Or, let me phrase it like this, you could preach on stage and be made of wood and clay and have dishonor in your heart. So it doesn't matter the task that you're doing. What matters is how you're doing it and how your heart lines up when you're doing it. Amen. That's the difference between these two things. As a matter of fact, it says in this scripture, if anyone... And notice it says anyone. If you, if you write in your Bible, underline that. Anyone. It's not saying those with certain giftings and callings. Those who with, with particular interest. Those with more charismatic personalities. It says if anyone cleanses himself from the latter. That means gets rid of the things that make them dishonorable. He will then be a vessel for honor. Sanctified for use by the master. Prepared for every good work. Every position in the body of Christ is honorable to God. And every servant in the body of Christ is honorable to God. Amen. So uh, when we dig into this, how many of you know that when we talk about the kingdom of God, but we, it, it gets relayed into what's called the body of Christ, but it's compared to our bodies, right? How many of you would be okay with losing any part of your own body? Right? You may not think about your pinky toe. But if your pinky toe got severed, you would sure be thinking about it a whole lot, wouldn't you? Right? There's some parts of your body that do things that you don't even know nothing about. But I tell you what, I'm very attached to all the parts of my body. I don't want any part of my body to go astray. I don't want any of my party to be, to be, clear or to be uh, uh, taken apart and taken off from me. I don't want anything separated from me. I, I want to keep my entire body intact until the day I die. I, I would appreciate that, Lord, right? But even some people in this room may have lost an appendage or lost a leg or lost a foot or lost a toe or lost a finger, you know. And, and even somebody in this room maybe even losing a tooth. But you lose any portion of your body and you know it's gone. You know it's gone. And that's like the body of Christ. Every part of the body of Christ is for honorable use. And every part of the body of Christ serves a part in moving forward the kingdom of God. Amen? I, I think that's absolutely awesome. So, so last week we dug into part one of finding your purpose by, by lining out our grand purpose. And I didn't call it our grand purpose last week, but it was our primary purposes before God. Uh, does anybody remember what they were? We all have the same grand purpose. The grand purposes are we worship God, we be loved by God, and we understand that He loves us and we love Him in return. The second thing, or the third thing is that we love other people. So we worship God, we be loved by Him and love Him in return, and we love other people. And those, that's our grand purpose, that's how all of us are designed to serve Him. 
Each and every one of us are designed to serve him in this way first. This is our grand purpose, all of us. But this week I want to dial it in just a bit and talk about our specific purpose. So all of us have a grand purpose and all of us have specific purposes. We all have the same grand purpose and then we all have uh, somewhat different specific purposes, right? So we're going to dial into that for just a moment. Has anybody ever weighed yourself on one of these old physician scales? Has, has anybody ever used one of these? They're called balance beam scales, right? And, and the way these work for those of you who are under, let's say, 50 in the room, or maybe under 40. See, the way that these work is you step on the scale, and it's called a balance beam because there's, there's two weights that you have to slide. You have a big weight, and then you have a little weight, right? So you have your grand purpose, and then you have your specific purpose. Your grand purpose outweighs your specific purpose extravagantly. Your grand purpose has to be in place in the proper position in order for your specific purpose to even show up. Right. If, you, if I step on this scale and I say, well, my grand purpose is around weight 50 and everybody in the room would laugh. Right. But if I set my grand purpose on weight 50 and then no matter where I slid my specific purpose, uh, it's not going to move. Right. So we can op we can't operate in our specific purpose if we don't have our grand purpose, our foundation set properly. So I'm going to move it over here to <clears throat> 100 pounds. Y'all, y'all already know, 200 pounds. Ooh, and it's still coming all the way over. So if I don't have my grand purpose set, then I will never find where my specific purpose gets dialed in. I think it's kind of neat that this is called a balance beam scale because our grand purpose and our specific purpose works out of balance in our life. Right, and we have to be properly balanced in our purpose in order for it to work. Now, too many, too many young people, or, or less, not even young people, man, just too many people, too many people today want to want to break out the old digital scale, the one with Bluetooth, you know, and, and you step on it and it sends uh, all of your body stuff all the way to the phone, you know, and you you can open up the app. Now, listen, I'm techie and I like that stuff too, but how many of you know we can operate in the kingdom of God finding our purpose on a Bluetooth scale? Right, You can't step on it and get an instant decision, but a lot of times that's what we're looking for. We're like, God, I'm just going to step, step right here on this, on this scale. Lord, okay, what's my, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? Right? And God says, I'm not going to give it to you like that. You have to do a little bit of the work. You have to walk over and you have to, you have to begin the balance of your purpose from the grand plan to the specific plan. You've got to get on there and get your grand plan and your foundation in the right position in your life before I will give you any plans on your specific purpose. If you ever see somebody operating in their specific purpose in, in the kingdom, but then you hear stories or you see them fall or you see occasions where uh, they weren't doing things uh, properly that maybe, maybe it looked right on the outside, but on the inside there was a whole lot of sin and a whole lot of issues. If you ever see that, it's because people have lost sight of their, of their grand purpose. They've lost sight of that and they've been operating and just trying to operate on the old specific purpose that God had originally given them. And in that case, it becomes shaky ground and it becomes an issue. And what they need to do is go back to the scale. They've got to get back on the scale and they've got to focus back in on their grand purpose first and then reinitiate into their specific purpose. Amen? 
So, so when, we, when we talk about that, we're talking about balance. We're talking about, uh, about this. So if we don't place the greater emphasis on our grand purpose, then our specific purposes becomes unknown or it becomes lost or it becomes distorted. So your specific purpose can become distorted. If we're not worshiping God, loving Him, and loving others, then how many of you know the specific purpose that God created you for then doesn't matter? If you're not first doing your grand purpose, then the specific purpose doesn't even matter. You can't get up and teach the people of God and love the people of God properly if you haven't first spent time in worship, spent time in loving Him and Him loving you, and then spent time in loving other people so that you could step into a role that God has called you for. Right? You can't do one without having the other. This scale doesn't work with just one slide. It takes both slides to make it properly function. It takes both slides to bring it into the proper perspective in your life. So once your large weight or your large emphasis is set, then you can begin to fine-tune the specificness of the results that you're looking for. So I wonder if there's anybody today that, man, has been seeking God and, and saying, God, I just I, I want my specific purpose. I want some specific purpose. And maybe God hasn't spoken to you, and you've been looking for it and trying out different areas of ministry and just jumping in, and, and, and it's just not working out for you. Maybe God is trying to tell you, listen, I just want you to get back on the scale for a minute. Just get back on the scale for a minute, and let's weigh what's important in your life and, and what's not. Let's get back on the scale for a minute, and let's begin to slide the balance beams to get you perfectly balanced before we send you back out into the world into ministry. We just need that time with Him, amen? So you cannot do your specific work for God well when your foundation is either broken or shaky or non-existent. You can't do it. You have to have the foundation to move forward. Uh, there's a scripture Paul wrote again in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 6, and it says this. Uh, even if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, even if I prophesy and I read your mail, and even if, if I have wisdom to counsel you or I have all knowledge or give words of knowledge uh, in people's presence, even if I have great faith to believe all things, even if I give all the resources that I have to the church, if I do not have love, I have gained nothing. If I don't first have love, then it doesn't matter. I don't know if you've ever sat under the preaching of a man or a woman who didn't have love. But when you sit under the preaching of somebody who doesn't have their first priorities in handle, what they're preaching to you comes out nagging, hating, and, and, and just uh, uh, teacherish. It doesn't come out fatherish, right? It, it comes out like they're telling you what to do, not that they're coaxing you to come along in this life and, and live it right. So when you, when you hear preaching that comes across that way to you, understand that that person needs to get back on the weight. They need to get back on the scale and, and move their weights and come into balance with who God is. Because when God calls you out of something, he comes alongside you and grabs you by the hand. He doesn't come alongside you and back, backhand you across the face and say, you better get this right. That's not how our God works. Our God comes alongside you, Miss Lucille, and grabs you by the hand and says, son, come with me. Daughter, come with me. Walk with me for a while. Let's talk. Let's get this right. The Holy Spirit speaking inside you is a gentleman. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about something that you're dealing with, uh, uh, he's not rude and obnoxious and mean. 
He doesn't tear you down and beat you into the ground. What he does is he says, son, daughter, you're better than this. Son, daughter, I created you for better. Son, daughter, you can rise up out of this and begin to walk a new life if you would just be obedient and trust me. Son or daughter, come my way and let me show you a better way. Let me teach you a better way. That's how my God operates. Amen. So when you're listening to teaching or preaching, and let me tell you, there's millions of it online. And there's also millions of teaching and preaching online that has the wrong spirit. So you've got to be careful what you're feeding your soul. You've got to be careful what you're allowing uh, into your ears or into your, your eyes, into the gates of who you are. Amen. You've got to be careful about that. So here's the good news. Even if somebody is off base and, they're, and, they're, and they're, they're, their weights are off base and they're not correct, it only takes a moment to step back onto the scale and repair the foundation. It only takes a minute. God, God will meet you right where you are. See, see, in our human existence, we say when somebody has done me wrong or when somebody has, has not done me right, I've got to see some change in them before I forgive them. I've got to see them walk it out a while before I forgive them. Well, can I tell you, you're confusing forgiveness and trust, right? You've got to see somebody walk it out for a while before you trust them, but you forgive them immediately. Amen. You forgive them immediately. That's the way that it works. That's the way the, the gospel is set. That's the way it's set. But, but this is what it is. If somebody's dealing with this issue and they're struggling and their specific purpose is distorted or skewed, this is all God's asking for them. Son, daughter, just step back into your prayer closet. Step back into your time with me. Just step back on the scale and begin to worship. Begin to seek me. So that I can do something for you. I can begin to line you back up with where you're supposed to be. I can begin to line you back up with your calling. And once I, once I line you back up to where you're supposed to be. And you've got your heart set. And you've got your heart purified. And you've got your heart cleansed. And you've got the right heart for people. Because you start off with worshiping God. And then as you worship Him, you understand how much He loves you. And then when you understand, can I tell you, your love never tops God's love. Right. You, none, nobody in this room loves God any more than, than God loves you, right? Each and every person, as you worship, you begin to comprehend and understand the love of God in your life. And as you worship and comprehend that, then you begin to love him back because his love for you is so great, right? We worship Jesus because he first loved us, right? That, that we begin to love him back. And when you have worshipped and you know who you are in God and you begin to love him back, the next natural thing that happens is you begin to love other people. Because as the more time you spend with God, the more that God lines up your heart with his heart. And you start to view people that you hated before in a whole different light. You start to view people that you had all kinds of issues and problems before in a whole different light. All of a sudden, you start saying things like, well, you know, I kind of understand why they act like that. Why they act like that is not right. But did you know that this happened to them in their life? And, man, they need Jesus to come along and just cleanse them. They need Jesus to come along and purify their thought process and purify their mind. And then you know what happens next? That person that you hated, and you were praying for them, all right. You were praying that a piano would fall on them. But when you spend time with God and you begin to refocus and he begins to set you up, all of a sudden you start seeing them through God's eyes and you start praying for them for real. Lord, move, move on them. Father, Holy Spirit, just pull them into the kingdom. 
Father, move on their minds and on their hearts and on their situation. Father, I even pray that you bless them, but they know that it comes from you so that they will trust you with their life, so that they never do to anybody else what they did to me. And you begin to pray that way. Now, if somebody harmed you and hurt you and did you wrong, you don't have to bring them back into your living room. You ain't, you, listen, God isn't expecting you unless he, unless he tells you to. And there may be some specific purposes that he tells you to. But can I tell you this? Most of the time, if somebody hurt you and hurt you bad, God is not asking you to bring that person back up into your living room. But what God is asking you is to forgive. What God is asking you to do is to let it go. Because that forgiveness only helps you. Right? It begins to release what's coursing inside of you, and it helps you to dissolve that bitterness that's in your heart. Right? Because guess what? God can't use you if you've got a bitter heart. You can't do nothing for the kingdom if your heart's hard. You can't do nothing for the kingdom if you hate people. You can't do nothing for the kingdom if all you see when you see people is, 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 is wrong, uh, trash, um, they're not worth my time. If you start seeing people like that, you can't do nothing for the kingdom. And I'm talking about all people because all people are God's creation. So we've got to be careful. Do we have differences? Absolutely. Do we need to walk in wisdom? Absolutely. Do you trust people who can't be trusted? Absolutely not. But we love the same. We love the same. Amen? So, so you cannot do your specific work for God well when your foundation is broken, shaky, or distorted. Uh, you can repair your foundation. So I want to get into, for the next few minutes, guys, the question is, how do I discover my specific purpose? Once I've got the balance weight in place, the large weight, the grand uh, scheme of things in my mind properly, then how do I begin to focus on my specific purpose? Well, I want to look at seven questions today to ask yourself to find your specific purpose. Number one is this, they're all uh, found in the word purpose, uh, the first letters. So here's the first one, what are my passions? What are my passions? You say, well, Pastor Steve, I don't know where I can serve in the church. I don't know where I can serve in the community. I'm not sure uh, what God has for me. I'm not sure where I need to be. The first thing you need to ask yourself is, what are my passions? What excites me? What excites you in this church? What gets your engines revving when you see it? What excites you in this world? What excites you in your family? When you see something, what, what revs your engines for God? What makes you uh, desire to, to, to do something or motivates you to do something like that? Right? What do I see wrong that I long to make right? What do I see that needs to be fixed that nobody else is doing? Uh, when you see stuff like that, particularly, it, it may not be a super passionate moment at first, right? It may not be da da da, like like the Lord shows up, knocks you off your donkey, you know, and you're you're laying on the ground, and oh Lord, what do you want from me? Go to this address, and this, you know, it may not be like that, but what it might be like is is you just see something that needs to be done, and nobody's doing it because nobody has filled that role, and and you're like, man, you know, that that really needs to be done. That's something that, that needs to be tackled. And in that moment, can I tell you, that might be the Holy Spirit prompting you to, to, to begin to maneuver to serve in that area. Because that's something that God is, has, is speaking to you about. So what do you, what do you see that you feel like is going unanswered? Or what do you see that is absolutely driving you nuts? Sometimes that passion comes across like aggravation. Something that's absolutely driving you batty. Like you're just, man, I can't take that one more moment. Maybe God is calling you to get in and, and help fix that problem. 
right? And it doesn't have to necessarily be in this church. It might be in your community. It might be in your neighborhood. It might be in your family. But God is calling you to do something other than just sit uh, on your hindquarters. Amen? Amen. Here's the second question. Where am I unfulfilled? Where am I unfulfilled? Now, listen, you may serve in ministry and still have seasons where you feel unfulfilled. You may be serving, doing something that God has asked you to do, and you know it's a specific purpose in your life, but you still are walking through a season where you feel unfulfilled. These seasons happen when God is trying to take you deeper in your purpose. When God is trying to take you deeper. You may be, you may be uh, operating on the surface of your purpose. Right, God had given you a purpose and you're operating on the surface of it. Right, But God is saying, come on child, I, I didn't call you to stay up there on the boogie board. I want you to dive deep down in the waters. I didn't call you just to sit on top of the surfboard and be pushed around by the waves. I'm calling you to dive down deep into the water. So when you feel unfulfilled, it may be God calling you deeper into your walk with him or into your service to him. In your walk with Christ, God may be calling you deeper in your purpose. Jessica and I have a word for it that we kind of coined amongst ourselves, and I don't know if, if, if anybody else ever used it or not, but if they, I'll, I'm taking credit for it because we never heard it, but uh, it's spiritual discontentedness. And there's been seasons and times in my life where I just felt discontented. And as I was studying my notes this morning, God brought one up to me in a moment, and it was the time that I came here as lead pastor of this church. I was already serving in my purpose. I was already serving as a pastor at another church. I was already serving on staff as an executive pastor. I was already operating in what God had called me to do and asked me to do and opened the door for me to do. But then there came a season where I had spiritual discontentedness. I felt like there was more that God was asking for me than I could offer in that role that I was in. So in that moment, I knew that God was going to open something up and change my life in, in a way. And can I tell you, that gets scary. It gets scary when you're, when you're so available to God that you know he's getting ready to rock your world and you're okay with it. Right? That you're, that you're lined up with him and you're like, okay, God, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable, but I trust you. Right? I can do this job with my hand tied behind my back, but I trust you. Right? And you begin to feel, feel spiritually discontented because you're not doing enough of your purpose. That God has called you deeper into that moment. Here's the, here's the third one. Am I investing in relationships? Am I investing in relationships? Uh, I'm going to add a tagline to that. Are you investing in the right relationships? Sometimes we have the right relationships, sometimes we have wrong relationships in our life, but let's focus on the right ones for just a moment. Are you investing in and cultivating relationships that move you towards your purpose in God? Who in your life right now, church, that you can think of invests in you, speaks into you, uh, can help you in, in talking and spending time with them, makes you want to dive deeper into your purposes for God? And who in your life right now, when you spend too much time with them, makes you want to step away from your purpose in God? Are, which relationship are you investing the most in? Are you investing in people who draw you into your purpose or people who push you out of your purpose? That's something that you have to sit and think about. Investing the right relationships and the right people help you to move in the right direction. Joshua had Moses. Joshua and Moses were tight. And when God called Moses on, 
God also called Joshua to carry on the plan. Elisha and Elijah. Elijah came along and the Lord told him to go anoint a prophet who would take over and be in his place. Elisha had Elijah. Timothy had Paul. And we preached about this in the, in the first portion of this series. Ruth had Naomi. Right? And these people are, are people that you invest in. Can I tell you today that investing time with someone and spending time with someone is two different things. You can spend some time with somebody and neither one of you walk away fulfilled. Neither one of you walk away with any kind of uh, credit to the time that you spent together. You can spend money or you can invest money. Right? You can spend time or you can invest time. But I'm calling you today as your pastor to ask you to look in your life. Now listen, uh, I know what happens. And I just want to say this, and it's not because I'm mean. But your person cannot be me. I've got people that are on my staff, that are on my team, that I have to invest in so that they can invest in you. But God is calling you and people in your life. And listen, the connections in this church doesn't need to be pew to pulpit. The connections in this church should be pew to pew. Right? Pew to pew. That sounds like a kid playing toy guns, doesn't it? <laughs> chair to chair, row to row, seat to seat. Right? The, the, the investing that needs to happen in this church is when you come to the women's conference and you connect with somebody and you go, hmm, man, they feel about God the way I feel about God. And you begin to connect and you create uh, moments and you invest time together and you both walk away full and fulfilled. Amen. My job as a pastor is to equip you so that you can go to other people and connect and do the things that God has asked you to do to fulfill other people. Amen. So we need to, we need to understand that. Here's the next one. The next one is this. What are my past experiences? What have I dealt with? What have I gone through? Look back through your life and think about past experiences that shaped who you are and find a clue to what God wants you to do in your life. Do you remember part one that we talked about? There's a purpose in the pain. That when you go through a season or a situation in your life, there's a purpose for that season and situation, right? When you go through a, a season in your life, there's a purpose for that. There's a purpose for that. God has, is going to use that. So when you've gone through a particular pain, can I tell you today that you're uniquely qualified to minister to people who are going through the similar pain? God, Jessica and I, when we first got called into marriage ministry, this was something that was really, really uh, just interesting to us because we were called into marriage ministry. We didn't, we, we didn't really know what to do, right? We didn't have any specific training. You know, we didn't go to college for marriage counseling, marriage and family stuff. That, that wasn't our, our path in life, just didn't go that way. But all of a sudden, God disrupted our plan and sent us into another purpose. And before I was ever called to pastoral ministry, I was called to marriage ministry. And in that time, almost immediately after a two-year healing time, God called us to stand up and speak uh, at events and at, at situations about marriage. And we didn't know anything. All we knew was that God saved ours. That's all we knew. So I would get up in front of people who had counseling degrees, uh, people who, were, who, who God had placed and, and gone through seminary and, and had, had all of these degrees and all the things in place. And Jessica and I would have to get up and speak on marriage to these people. And I'm like, are you kidding me? God, are you kidding me? I'm not qualified to do that. And, and, and I remember one time God uniquely spoke to me in the very beginning. He said, uh, I didn't, he said, you're not an expert in this field, you're an authority in this field. 
And when someone is an authority in the field, people sit up and listen. So what God had walked us through in the situation and things that he did in our life made us an authority in the field. Now, a, a, a dozen years later, I can say we're an expert as well, right? We've done the time. We've trained. We, we've, we've studied, right? So, so we're not only authorities now. We're experts in that field. Uh, but there was a time when I could only rely on being an authority. What in your life did you go through? What kind of pain have you struggled with? What have you been in uh, that for you uh, makes you an authority in a specific area? That if God had moved on your life in such a way in a certain area that when somebody comes along and they're like, oh, wow, that sounds really familiar. Oh, wow, Sonia, that that sounds so familiar. Uh, you're, You're going through exactly what I went through a decade ago. You're going through what God brought me out of 20 years ago. And in that moment, God is calling you to walk in your specific purpose as an authority in the area where God has brought you through. Amen? So, so listen, you can serve, you can speak, you can counsel, you can lead, you can love from a place of authority. You can do that, right? And God has called you to it. Number five, am I being obedient? You know Pastor Steve's going to throw obedient in there somewhere. Right? I, I always tend to preach. I always end up on obedient. No matter what message I'm preaching, I, I come back to obedience. But am I being obedient? Is my life characterized by integrity and obedience to God? Uh, and now, I understand that obedience is a Christian cuss word to some of us. Right? When we hear it, it, it gets like a little punch in the gut. We don't want to hear it. Right? It's, it's something, obedience, we're like, ah, I'm not sure that I want to deal with that. But obedience to God is key to taking you where God wants you to go. So, so am I being obedient? If you're not walking in your specific purpose yet, am I listening to God when he tells me to do something? Am I obeying God when he tells me to get up and go and lay hands on somebody and pray for them? I, I remember one time, church, early on in, in my walk in ministry, I was in Walmart, and uh, I regret this to this day because I might have seen God do, do something amazing if I would have just been obedient. But I was standing in Walmart in the deli section here in Inverness, and there was a lady with, there's a particular condition that makes you not be able to stand still. And she, she was almost slithering like a snake the whole time. She was almost moving like a snake, and there was probably 20 people around her, and everybody was kind of backing up and getting out of the way because she, she couldn't control herself. So she was just all over the place. And, and I was standing behind her, and the Holy Spirit said, Steve, what if I asked you just to go up and lay hands on her and start praying for her in the middle of this crowd? And I was young, and I was, I, was, I was brand new in the ministry, and I didn't have the faith to be obedient in that moment. And can I tell you, to this day, I regret it. And as I, as I walked out of that store today, and I did not go pray for that woman, I begged for forgiveness from the Lord for not doing what he asked me to do. Because that day, maybe the Lord was prepared to heal her. But in my mind, I just kept thinking, what if I do that and nothing changes? And there's a whole crowd of people. And my faith wasn't there. But can I tell you, when God is speaking something into your heart, uh, rise up and be obedient in that moment. And like on, Onesif- Onesiphorus, what, is that right? Onesiphorus, I don't have my notes. So. <laughs> he was obedient to go. It's, uh, the scripture says that he looked all over for Paul. He knew that Paul was in trouble, that Paul was arrested. He went looking for him. And it said he was not ashamed of him because of his chains. That he got next to the man who was in chains and in trouble with the people and with the government of that city. 
and he, he got up next to him and didn't care what anybody else thought. Can I tell you to this day that the day I repented, I'm like, Lord, I will do whatever you ask me to do. Anytime you ask me to do it, I'm going to be obedient to do it. I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And I'm not going to be ashamed of being a bondservant to Christ. I'm not going to be ashamed to be a slave, as Paul calls it, to Christ. Right? I'm going to be in chains with you, Lord. If I've got to be in chains, I want to be in chains with Jesus. Right? I don't want to be in chains with, with any government. I don't want to be in chains with anything else, any addictions, any sicknesses. Any, I want to be in chains with Jesus right? because his yoke is easy. So there was a time in, in marriage ministry uh, when Jessica and I, not too long after that, we were doing a, a marriage restored weekend, and we were doing an event. And there was a gentleman there uh, who looked like Rocky. That's all I can say. You know, Rocky Balboa. That's what he was. He was a big dude. Like, like muscled up, you know, and, and he was mean. And he was, he was there, and, and he was kind of like with his wife, and he was just like, he was treating her really bad throughout the whole event. You could see, like, she was kind of beaten down. And when it came time, uh, there, was a, there was a time and a moment when the Lord spoke to me, and this is one of our first events with Marriage Restored, and I really thought they were going to kick us out and never, send us, never let us come back because we weren't following the program. But there was a time and a moment when the Lord said to me, walk over there and ask him if he's even saved. And I'm like, Lord, he's going to crush me. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to look like the Russian in Rocky Floor. And I'm like, okay. And he was being mean to his wife. And I walked over and I leaned across his table. And I kind of got nose to nose with him. And I said, are you even saved? And he goes, of course I am. And I said, then why are you acting like this? And he, this is what he said. I'm not bashing anybody. He said, well, I'm Catholic. That's, that was his answer to me. And I'm not bashing Catholic faith. I'm just telling you that's what he said to me. And I said, have you ever at any point accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he said, no, sir. And I said, can I pray for you for that right now? And he started crying. And then he started talking to me, and he said, I've done so many drugs in my life, and, I, and I've shot so much stuff into my body that I can't have any peace at night, and I haven't slept in about 10 years. And he starts telling me that, and he's weeping. And I'm like, okay, Lord. And I laid hands on his forehead in a marriage restored event, which is very, like, it's, it's not something you do, right? I, in the middle of the event, I laid hands on his forehead. Everybody else is just kind of watching and waiting. And I began to pray, and I began to cast out every demonic uh, attack on his life and every demon that was down in him. And I began to cast it out and ask him for the Lord to save his soul and, and bring him into a place of peace. And, and he sat there and cried through the whole thing, repeated the prayer, accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And then we went on about the event. Well, the next day was Sunday. He went upstairs that night on a Saturday night, and he came back walking into the room, and he was kind of puffed up, you know, walking in. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, man, maybe he's had time to think about, you know, me, me calling him out like that. You know, maybe he's thought about it all night and he's going to punch me in my head or something, you know. And, and I'm standing in the middle of the room and he starts, come here, Nate, come help me out, man. He, you be me. <laughs> so I'm standing in the middle of the room and I'm just kind of watching him come walking in. And his wife kind of comes in, sits at the seat, and he looks at me like this and he's like, Hey, Steve. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes,
He picks me up and starts twirling me around like I'm a little girl. And I'm like, Jessica, help. <laughs> you know, it's, I wasn't breathing real well, you know. He had some big old arms. He's twisting me around, and he sets me down, and he looks me in my eyes, and he lays his forehead on my forehead. That was pre-COVID. He lays his nose on my nose. And he goes, Steve, thank you for leading me to Jesus. And he said, he said, last night was the best night's sleep I've had in 30 years. And, and from that point forward, church, I got to tell you, I never back down from what God asked me to do. There's been times I've, I've ministered to special, uh, special ops guys and all kinds of guys that were scary. And, and whatever God asked me to do, I did it. And can I tell you that he moved every single time. So being obedient is, is key to moving in what God asks us to do. Here's number, number six is what are my spiritual gifts? What are my gifts? Uh, in the, starting the Sunday after Easter, for, for three weeks, we're going to be having growth track here in the fellowship hall. It's from 930 to 1030 till service starts for three weeks. And if you've never taken a spiritual giftings test or if you have any desire to join the church and become a part of the church or serve in certain areas of the church, can I encourage you to plan on being there? Go through that because you'll have the opportunity to take a spiritual giftings test and, and see uh, where you fall on that scale. Here's the, here's the gifts. Well, first of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 7 says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Here's, here's some spiritual gifts. You may have a gift in teaching. You may have a gift of mercy. You may have a gift of leadership, of faith, of administration, of helps, of wisdom, of prophecy, of discernment, of serving, of exhortation, of giving, of shepherding, of hospitality, of evangelism, or encouragement. Whatever your spiritual gifting, our, our desire, our mission here at Redemption Point is to see you walk in the purpose that God created you for, right? We believe that every one of us in this room has a redemptive purpose that God created us for. He redeemed you for a reason. And that reason is to walk in your spiritual giftings. Here's number seven. Where have people encouraged me? Where have you stepped out, maybe in fear, maybe in faith in the moment, but where have you stepped out and people said, you know, you are so good at that. You know, you're, you're so good with people. You know, you're so good speaking in front of a group. You know, you're so good at just planning and designing stuff. You know, you're so good at building stuff. You know, you're so good at cooking. You're so good in the areas of hospitality. Whatever it is, where have people encouraged you? When something is a gift or a purpose in your life, people will recognize that gift and encourage and affirm you along the way. They won't help it. They can't help it. They'll recognize it, affirm you in it, and you've got to pay attention to that. So people will recognize, recognize your giftings when you step into the situation and an atmosphere changes. How many of you with a gift of administration have stepped into a situation when all things were crazy? And when you stepped in and started kind of giving, giving orders, you know, for lack of a better word, but you started giving direction, right, and telling people what to do and where to go and what to do next and not really telling people where to go, okay, but, but telling people what to do and what to do next and how to do it. 
And then all of a sudden there was like this atmosphere shifted and there was a peace in the room. Now, how many of you have been in that moment? You may have the gift of administration, right? Maybe you have a yearning to get in front. Can I tell you a gift of teaching could be helping Miss Joan Cook and the three to five-year-olds? She launched three to five-year-olds all by herself. And she's spending six weeks in there out out of church to spend time with your kids and grandkids, the three to five-year-olds, so that they don't get stuck uh, in with the larger kids in kids' church and we can have a lesson and something designed specifically for them. Maybe you have something in your heart that says, I want to come alongside her and I want to I help in that area. Whatever there he is, we want to see you serving in ministry in the way that God intended you to. Because can I tell you this? When you do what God intended for you to do, when you serve in your area, it's a lot easier to walk with Christ. It's a lot harder to walk with Christ when you're not doing anything other than sitting in church and leaving and coming back next week, right? It's a lot easier to walk with Christ when you know you're walking in your purpose. Would you stand with me today? I want to encourage everybody in the room to pay attention to that voice of the Holy Spirit this week. When God speaks to you and asks you to step out of your comfort zone, I want to encourage you to try it, right? Uh, Listen, maybe it's on social media to start off with, right? We can take back social media for the Lord. We don't don't have to let it go, you know, the way of the the devil, right? We can take back some social media. I, I try to do it all the time. I post encouraging stuff. I post stuff that builds people up. Maybe you see somebody post something and you know they're struggling and they're going through a situation and the Holy Spirit says, you know what, Uh, why don't you just shoot them a message and just pray for them in the message. You know, maybe it's in social media, but maybe it's in person. Maybe this week you run across somebody and the Lord says, hey, you know what, Um, they need 10 bucks. Would you trust me enough to take 10 bucks out of your wallet and give it to them? Or hey, you know what, Uh, they need a loaf of bread. Would you walk up and just ask them, hey, can, can I just buy you some bread? Do you need bread? And we just listen to the Lord. Or, hey, you know what? I want to heal that person. Will you, will you trust me enough to lay hands on them and ask for their healing? In some way that you listen to the Holy Spirit this week, step out of your comfort zone. Do something for God. And can I tell you that the miracles that we were singing about earlier, uh, you can see. You can see it happen in person. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, is there anybody in this room today that you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm calling you out now like I called out Rocky earlier. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? And if you don't, do you want to? We want to pray with you as a group right now. So if there's anybody in this room that needs to know Jesus, would you just lift a hand and just hold it up so I can see it? Anybody that needs to get saved today? I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Today's your day. I see that hand. Church, would you pray along with me this prayer? Everybody, especially those two that raised their hand. Jesus, I need you. I recognize that today. I need you in my life. I want you to guide me. I want to know my purpose. And I want to walk with you. 
Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me today. Set me free. Help me to walk with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. We give a hand clap of praise for those two that have stepped up today. dismissal of everybody in this room and if everybody especially if you've been struggling to know your purpose just lift a hand and let's let's go to the Lord in prayer as we dismiss father we love you today Lord we pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus father that you would help us to walk in our redemptive purpose Lord we we are so grateful and thankful that you redeemed us that you saw fit to call us your kids that you saw fit to call us sons and daughters Lord that you came along and adopted us, that you cleaned us up and set us firmly upon a rock, which is your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you gave us a second chance at life and some of us a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance and a a twelfth chance, Lord. Some of us needed you more times than others, but Lord, you showed up each and every time. And Father, I declare today in the mighty name of Jesus, if there be anybody in this room who doesn't know their proper place, who doesn't have the foundation set of praise and love and know who they are in you, that before they leave this room, Lord, you would speak it to their spirit. Speak it to their mind, Father. Help them to know and be able to declare and believe that I am loved by the Father. That He loves me. I'm a son And he designed me for a purpose, and I'm willing to walk in it. Father, help us to hear your voice clearly. Help us to do what you've called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a a great, great, great week.